You're listening to the podcast series for the 2017 Shalom Sydney Jewish Fighters Festival. So welcome John Saffron to the Shalom Sydney Jewish Writers Festival podcast. Hello John. Salam Aleikum. Salam Aleikum. Yeah, Aleikum Salam. Gee, it's not that confusing. It's how, how much closer can an Arab phrasing be to a Jewish phrasing and you not be kind of, you know, stumbling all over it about what the hell I'm talking about. It's, pre- it's pretty embarrassing. I really should have got that first time. Depends what you mean by an extremist, your latest book. Yes. Can I just ask you, are you do you ever get scared when you when you get confronted or go in these situations? I think I do and it but it's what I do with it. And and everything becomes a bit confusing because by this point you understand I understand that conflict is uh, that's what drives story. Mm. So when I'm in when I'm in amongst it, it's it's very confusing of how to take things and uh, and, and and when to challenge things and when to run away. Because but generally, just going with your, my instinct, I find that's the that's sort of uh, the best. And the, and then I'll, I'll just work it out later. But the, yeah, there, there, there were some conflicts in the book that were really awful at the time more kind of like things that like really test my nerve with uh, how I'm going to respond to it. I, what I remember is I was out with these far-right dudes after a rally and I got drunk with them at a, at a pub mm. and uh, one of them uploaded a photo of me to their webpage and it, the group's called the United Patriots Front and they said, oh, John's joined us. And <laughs> so fortunately, because most Aussies know I'm Jewish, there was, and also they know, you know, they've seen my work where I kind of hang out with uh, people all uh, all over the shop. So it was, it was cool, but the, yeah, there, there was a bit of like a day where I had to like put out all these fires and just sort of tell people I hadn't joined the United Patriots Front. And, and But the main thing I was thinking about was, oh my God, does this mean like people on the left aren't going to catch up with me anymore? Maybe the Muslims I want to catch up with me anymore? But then... When it came to writing the book, all the little things like that that, that seemed really challenging at the time ended up kind of really helping things. All right, we're, we're doing this interview in, in odd order, so I've really introduced John, who's a media personality, journalist, been on TV, radio. Your book, you essentially embed yourself nearly in different right-wing organisations. Yes, so coming back to the, maybe this is my own fear that's coming through. Coming back to fear, do you like when you're in the moment? Do you just do it and then afterwards you go, I can't believe I just did that? Usually, there's so much going on in uh, crunch time that I don't have time to think about it because then the next lunacy is happening. Mm. So, and generally, I'm just thinking about practical matters. I'm, I'm worried about: Am I getting everything down? Am I getting all my thoughts down? Because cause this is my second book, I learnt a lot from my first book, and one of the things I learnt was just blurt it all out and don't worry about with tying up loose ends or thinking about why you feel like saying it. Go with your instinct about why, why you're blurting a thought or you're explaining what just happened into the dictaphone. And, yes, yeah, so I was just thinking... I, I was always just thinking of, like, practical matters and then... Uh, I, I, I find because with my work, I don't quite know how it's all going to 
come together. I like doing busy work. So, for instance, last week I was interviewing some uh, hijabi women who'd been... uh, uh, They they felt they'd been uh, sort of like exploited and manipulated by a religious leader or whatever. And I didn't quite know how the whole piece... And I still don't. It's going to fit together. So while I sit opposite them... I'm just like writing about like what they're wearing and then I'm like writing about what's in the office and then I just sort of do busy work and that, that and then that then like later on I'll figure out how it all fits together. So you don't you like with this book you didn't did you go in with a plan or did you did it just I, I went, did you I, put it together afterwards? I went in, I sort of went in with a, a plan but it gets really tightened up and then gets changed around. The the first plan for instance was because when I went to my first far right rally, they were all talking about how in a few months' time it's going to be the 10th anniversary of the Cronulla riot. So, and we're going to have the big sequel, and it's going to be awesome or whatever. So I thought, oh, that's going to be what the book's about, like me comparing Australia now and the far right now and racism now compared with 10 years ago. Uh, you know, things like, for for instance, like like one of the leaders of this far right group had Italian. Uh, lineage and an Italian surname and I thought oh when I watched that doco about Cronulla 10 years ago that it was called International Leb and Wog Bashing Day and and all the chants at the train stations were F off Wogs, F mm. off Wogs and I started thinking oh well, hang on this dude who's like now a leader of the far right could he have been 10 years ago or has like have a te- would he, or would he have been like no you're a Wog you can't be a leader of the far right so I was like interested in all those little things but then as the book went on, just things just steered in other crazy directions, and I just kind of followed what I was personally interested in, and what I what I felt. I went a lot a lot with the emotional energy of things, which uh, because because my books have like you can look at it and it's about issues. You can kind of think, oh, oh somehow that's what it's all about, or how. That's how I try to write them. When really, I way more try to follow the emotional energy of things. So if there's two people and one, I just feel this weird emotional energy. It's like, I'm, okay, I'm going to follow him and hang out with him. And I don't really think that hard about, oh, am I being even? Should I spend 50% yeah. of the time with the far left and 50% with the far right? Like in this book, I don't spend that much time with the far left. And it's not like that it wouldn't be interesting or anything like that. It's just sort of what kind of happened. And also the whole through line of me hearing about this secretive group that's possibly a Jewish group running under my very nose in the Jewish community, this anti-Islam group, that, that like, captured my attention. So I start, I start following that mad journey, which takes me to Perth, and then I, you know, I just get shut down in Perth. And, yeah, so I just kind of follow the emotional energy and just make sure I'm recording everything and then work it out later. Get, get everything transcribed and then... Just pull it together. One of the things that came out from my reading of it was that some things are absolutely absurd. Mm. So I think you open in the book where you're at a far right rally and they're doing an indigenous thing in the country. And it seems like you're the only one that's like going, this is crazy. Yeah, Yeah, I know people. It it was hard writing the book trying to think what, okay, who's, who's reading this book and what are their expectations? Because once you start hanging around madness, you get kind of desensitised to the madness quite quickly, and you start doubting yourself, and you start going, "How on, John? This book opens where you you're expecting the reader to find it funny that you're at this far right rally that's 
uh, but they've got a welcome to country ceremony for the Aboriginal community. And then I start going, hang on, is that even interesting? Like, you lose your bearings because, you know, you know these radical people start telling you what they're doing is just totally normal. So the, I, I, I really... I, I, re- I really tried to... I, I had to, like, leave so much on the cutting room floor of this book just to not make it... Like, it's already so tangled as it is, but to sort of, like, not follow every tangle uh, down because it just would have been too confusing for the reader. And also because I'm trying to make it a story mm-hmm. in a straight line, you know, where, I, where I'm on an adventure, so I can't sort of keep on jumping out and... Like, one Jewish thing that was, like, left on the cutting room floor, which was... Because so much of the book's about, like, tangles of identity and self-identifying, is that I met this rabbi at a... Was he a rabbi or just an Orthodox Jew? I don't know. Anyway, I met, I met him at a Passover dinner I went to with this other Jew or whatever, and he was getting... Uh, he was annoyed at me because I knew who the Lubavitcher Rebbe was, uh, that, uh, but I didn't know who his equivalent uh, Svadi rabbi was, and then he started uh, talking to me about how, you know, white Jews in Melbourne or all the Ashkenazi Jews, they just they don't know anything about Svadi history, and he he attended a Svadi synagogue. This dude, and uh, anyway, so he told me this story about how amongst the real old people in his synagogue, there's still a bit of bitterness about how when the uh, white Australia policy was rocking it in Australia, that the Sfad, some of these Sephardi Jews, or you know, or non-Ashkenazi Jews at, the, at least, like they, they, were, they were saying, they went to the Ashkenazi community and said, oh listen, we've got Jewish relatives in Morocco or wherever it was in, in Egypt, and we want them to come to Australia, but we can't because of the white Australia policy. And that the Ashkenazis just were like, no, 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 we're Jews. We're, we're what Judaism. Judaism is about Yiddishkeit, is about the Yiddish language and whatever. And they just sort of like snubbed them off. Anyway, so that's like fascinating. Yeah. But God, in this book, and of course, obviously, um, my book's trying to, you know, it's not just for people, you know, at the Hakoa Club. And you know, at Glicks Bagels in Carlisle Street, and and so I just sort of that's an example of something that's fascinating, and but I just had to leave on the cutting room floor because the book could only hold so much before everyone's brain would explode. You're you're big on social media, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> but what I really wanted to talk to you about social media, the immediacy of it now compared to yeah. many years ago. So you can. You put stuff up and then suddenly there's a reaction straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I find, and I find this exciting, but with every project I've done, social media and the internet and other variables have sort of shifted slightly and I have to, like, work around them. Like, there's no point whining about it. There's no point in me sulking that now nowadays the... Uh, United Patriots Fund can instantly put up a picture of me saying I've joined them and mm-hmm. I've just got to deal, I've got to work around it and how do I leverage that to my advantage. But I, I remember uh, with one of my TV shows, series, su- suddenly it had all changed. Like the, the previous series, I could kind of assume like people weren't necessarily going to search for you on the internet. Like it was still that early days of the internet. And then suddenly we went into a culture where whenever you hear about someone or you're going to have a meeting with someone, like you Google them. Mm. And then that just changed everything. And, and suddenly I, I couldn't be, 
the John Safran who sneaks around and no one knows who he is or knows his backstory. Suddenly I just have to start writing around this new reality that I've just got to assume if we set up an interview with anyone, they're going to have Googled me and they're going to, you know, the, the entry coming up is Safran's a smart aleck and he did this and this and this. He did the kill the yeah. uh, naked runner. Yeah, he, he streaked through Jerusalem or whatever. So, and, and then we just, I, you know, I just work out ways where I can kind of leverage that to my advantage. The, the one thing in this book that I thought I leveraged to my advantage was that people were just recognising me and it's almost like the book didn't... Sometimes when you don't include things in books, you, I'm like reading... Or in stories, I'm reading them back and it's almost like if you withhold information, it somehow doesn't make sense. Like, like for instance, this guy called Hamza in the book, an Aussie ISIS supporter, he comes to me to this church, uh, Catholic church meeting where they're talking about the, the Quran and Jesus. And when I wrote it, I, I thought... When I first wrote that sequence, I didn't... I, I didn't include that he knew me from the telly and him and his mates were they liked my shows or whatever. And so it just became like this weird thing of like, why is this guy coming, going along on this journey? And then as soon as I just drop in it that, oh, this Aussie ISIS dude liked my stuff. Like I figured out, I, I figured out like funny ways to say that these different extremists recognised me. And then as soon as I put that in it, so suddenly the book made a lot more, more sense. So yes, yeah, so, so I, I tried to creatively leverage that all these radicals like were recognising me from my work and then that played on that juxtaposition of you don't expect an ISIS supporter to be sitting there watching, you know, John Safran's race relations. So it's interesting if you've ever done sort of demographics on your followers, it turns out that the vast majority <laughs> of your followers are actually sort of from, you know, groups you wouldn't expect. Well... I definitely got a lot of good feedback from different radicals, and even maybe not radicals, but even I don't I don't know. Sometimes people just think it's fun to like, like if you're like some person and you've got all these journos hassling you, and then like I ring up, like it just might seem like it's more interesting. Well, okay, let, let's let's go a bit deeper. Let's talk about the rise of the right. Like, like suddenly Pauline Hanson's relatively legitimate yes. like Donald Trump in power and these guys are less extreme how, how, what's your reaction to all of that uh, well they kind of soaked up uh, their demographic and they're not necessarily disappointed in that there, there was one of the dudes Neil Erickson who uh, the Jewish community might know from being the neo-nazi who stalked Rabbi Gutnick and had to go and had to go to court, and anyway, so he he says he's not a neo-Nazi anymore. He's just against Muslims now. Uh, but but anyway, so he wrote after Pauline Hanson was elected, he wrote to his his fellow far right people said, "Oh, listen, you're going to be, you might be feeling a bit disappointed now because we're not going to get as many people turning up to our rallies, turning up to our events anymore, because Pauline's like so soaked up all those people." And he said, "But." No, don't be sorry about that. That kind of shows that we've succeeded. As soon as like we don't, as soon as we need to fold is like as soon as we know we've got our job done. So, who, who do you read? Uh, to to like in, help me write my own books. Yeah, no. Who, who do you read? Oh, generally, like, what I've been reading for the last several years, just relentlessly, is old pulp uh, American. Uh, Crime, like fiction. Elmore Leonard, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, that yeah that 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 uh, that kind of wheelhouse. But like stuff, a lot of stuff from like the fifties and sixties. There's this dude called Jim Thompson who wrote "The Killer Inside Me." He's just amazing. It's, it's like you're all your. If you've never read a, like a pulp novel about crime, he's written all these books. And, and even if you've never read one, but you've got kind of a vibe in your head of what they're like, he's like the archetypal crime thing. It's always about some. Uh, guy middle-aged guy who's gruff and he's either a criminal or he's running from the law or he's a murderer or he's running from a murderer or he's a detective and he's always drunk and bedraggled is that a word and anyway i i read so many of those books i reckon that really influenced how this book uh how i wrote this book because those books that yeah there's always a guy like me although totally different and and like the whole, whole fact that in this book i kind of like end up getting smashed at places and then I'm drunk here and then I'm there. I, I, I felt like I really soaked up the the blueprint of those old American pulp books and just sort of blurted them on onto the page. But, yeah, I, I like reading for pleasure and so that, that's why I like, I know it sounds like, as opposed to, uh, or at least at the moment, as opposed to, like, you know, trying to absorb information or whatever so i really like how relaxing old crime books are they really help me decompress after a hard day hanging out with with with, with the clan you in, in your tv shows and your books you grapple with sort of religion and spirituality as my religious friends would say to me how are you holding now with regards to judaism well i'm kind of like embedded like because uh, like, i'm i'm in, in ground zero in melbourne where I live in the most Jewish crossroads <laughs> possible in uh, Balaclava, where and where there's just seventeen synagogues, you know, little that are in rooms all all, all around me, you know, five minutes walk or all, all around and bagel shops and everything. So clearly, I can move if I wanted to, but I kind of like it too much. So that's not that's that's about culture, isn't it? But I don't know where the culture ends and religion starts, but. Philosophical yeah. question, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. But I, I'm definitely interested in um, exorcisms. But part of the reason I want to keep on believing in religion in some sort, or in God, and in, is because as soon as you stop believing, you can no longer, you know, you can no longer believe in exorcisms. And I, I find them like fascinating. I, I'm, I'm always reading like about the history of Jewish exorcisms and Muslim exorcisms, and yeah. I love it. So, so basically, I'm still a believer because I don't want to give up on believing in exorcisms. <laughs> what are you working on now? What's coming up? Uh, well, I've got a little tight little uh, research uh, thing where I, I think I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it there or I mentioned it here just before. I'm confused now. But yeah, I've been hanging out with a hijabi. Mm. And and snooping around into a little subculture within the Sydney and Melbourne Muslim scene. So uh, that and that at this point, I imagine it is going to be like a feature article, you know, like four thousand words or whatever. And and but possibly after I do that, uh, I, I could make it longer. But but and then also I'm sort of there's a bit of a plan to possibly cover. A uh, ter- uh, an extremist related event next year in documentary form, but it's so early days. Like we've just got to 
get someone interested in it and all that stuff like that. But basically the same old, same old. One of the cool things, that, or the kind of scary but cool situation I'm in, is that, like, this is my job now and I just have to always, like, just make my own work. Yeah. And I have no plan B. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, I've got to kind of earn... You can always go back to accounting. Yeah, well, I, don't, I just don't have that. So even even this book, like, both of my books, I just start doing them and then once I've got something together, that's when I sort of go to the publisher and try to get them excited. And so, yeah, so I'm basically doing the same thing now where I'm working on some little smaller things and hoping one of them catches a light and then becomes a bigger thing. John Saffron, thanks for joining us. No, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the 2017 Shalom Sydney Jewish Writers Festival. To find out more about Shalom's exciting programs and events, go to www.shalom.edu.au or like us on Facebook at Shalom Australia. Are you interested in getting a podcast made for your company or organisation? Contact Rob at rob at etals.com.au or 0404 289 956.